Welcome to the Ask Brian Podcast Radio Show, where you'll hear from some of the most successful founders and CEOs of businesses and startups, sharing their best advice for success, and even some stories on how their mistakes actually make them even more successful. Now, here are your hosts, Brian and Tracy. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You're listening to the Ask Brian Radio Show on KHS 1220 and 98.1 FM. When I was a younger person, everybody used to tell me, and I'm not that old, by the way, everyone used to tell me Brian is spelled B-R-Y-A-N or B-R-I-A-N. So why in the world would you have a show called B-R-I-E-N and we have our co-host, Tracy, who's going to explain to this audience why in the world people are spelling Brian with an E. Yes, I'm going to explain. Explain with an E um, as to all of the fabulous reasons E plays a great role in this show. And one is our engineer. And her name is actually Emily. So we want to send a shout out to Emily, our engineer, who makes this show possible. And it's really all about education. It's about empathy. It's about excitement. What's excitement or what's empathy? (laughs) But maybe she don't since you have none. (laughs) What's wrong with being selfish? (laughs) Well, I think that, um, you know, every host and co-host has their roles. And I am the empathetic one, and you are the (laughs) one that's not empathetic. So we'll just leave it I thought it was because Patrick, our first engineer, he wears like a size 14, and I wear a size 9. And I figured I could, you know, he can't fit into my shoes. So obviously he can't. But he was always, he was just always trying to get you to (laughs) metaphorically walk in his shoes so you weren't so, um, I can't think of an A word for that. Pompous or arrogant. Yeah, those aren't E words. How about we talk more about the types of guests we have on Ask Brian, where we have experts who are highly educated, who allow us to educate entrepreneurs in ways that, they can shortcut their learning curve, and we do that with enthusiasm. <laughs> yes, exactly. Let's get excited. Yes, and we are very excited. And now, just, the you know, while we're, now the neighbors are calling us and saying, what's going on? <laughs> yeah, you're going to get evicted, and you're going to get evicted. <laughs> Another E. <laughs> Another ease that nobody wants. So without further without further ado, how do you spell ado? I a d i. This always gets me because I'm afraid I'm going to spell it wrong. A d i e u. You've been on the Sesame and, Street of business for a while now. You should figure it out. I, yeah, I know. It's just that it's like I feel under pressure. Like I, you know, like. Like, you know how to spell it, but then when you're standing up in a spelling bee, you might just forget how to spell it. But A-D-I-E-U, without further ado. Well, great introduction, Tracy. Tracy's our co-host. She puts up with this every week. I don't know how, but somehow I must be paying her a lot of money or something. Uh, yeah, it's but the big anyway, uh, You know, it's the big <laughs> uh, You're making so much money, you're probably going to have to give up your detail. Anyway, um, <laughs> without any further ado, we have a very good guest, and in terms of E on education, uh, he's, he's got quite a bit of education, probably a little bit more than a kindergarten person. His name is uh, Murray. Is that how you pronounce your name? Murray, M-U-R-I. Yeah, that's that correct. correct. It's very phonetic. Cool. Well, very good. Beautiful. Uh, gorgeous name. We have a couple of questions for you. So first of all, what is your background? So um, my background, I'm a neurosurgeon based in Los Angeles. 
So I'm a physician, but also I'm a tech entrepreneur. Uh, I also have my background in public policy. So I have my MPA from the Kennedy School. So I look at healthcare from all sorts of angles. You've got a lot um, of I was born and raised in Ghana, but I moved to the States when I was 15 years old. Wow. That's quite an accomplishment to be coming from a foreign country, come over to the U.S., and uh, be going and getting, your, getting that degree. I mean, that's like brain surgery. Wow. That's, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> if you ever did brain surgery in my brain, you'd like be lost. Like, what the hell is going on? Man, anyway, hey, yeah, we didn't see what's up in there, right? <laughs> so what a wire so force to see there. what I see up in there. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you Tracy wants to see it, too. <laughs> no, I just know it, it would be the fastest brain surgery ever. <laughs> <laughs> We're not talking it's about like a, me. The, the whole meme with the tiny brain inside of the big head, home home assistance brain. <laughs> No, no, we're not having very much empathy. I'm with kidding. You. I'm kidding. You have, you have <laughs> I'm <a> kidding. Fine <laughs> <brain>. <laughs> anyway, um, so you have this company. What is the name of the company? It's Talamus. You started T A L A M U S. Talamus. And that's a dot com on the internet. Um, yeah, there is a dot com on the internet. The www.talamushealth. You have to add help to the end of it. Dot com. Thomas Health. Dot com. And uh, did you start the company yourself, or did you have other people that started it with you? I started myself. I started this a few years back, you know, trying to solve some of the challenges in healthcare. And what is the company? What, what does the company do? I mean, obviously it's healthcare, but what do you do? I mean, you're not doing brain surgery, are you? No, no, no. It's not brain surgery. It's actually a digital health platform, basically a marketplace that brings, you know, Providers together with patients, uh, patients can find the help they need, and providers can provide the help that patients need. So we have several different kind of people on our platform. So this goes for patients, uh, goes for clinics and doctors, also goes for labs, imaging centers, as well as pharmacy. So basically, everybody can come onto our platform and offer what they have, and patients can find help that they need. So is it like a patient portal or? or yes. Yeah, so we have several. Or? Yes. We have several aspects to it. So our target market currently has been emerging markets. Um, we have started with Africa, but we plan to go to Latin America and other places. Essentially, on the continent of Africa right now, I'll say more than 99% of healthcare access points are analog. Um, been, they're still pen and paper. So there's a lot of information asymmetry. It's really difficult for patients to find what they need in a timely manner, and when it comes to prices, there's also a lot of asymmetry and a lot of uh, mystery around what pricing is. So we are going around and doing digitization across the board, and that is we are helping pharmacies go digital, we're helping hospitals go digital, we're helping labs go digital, we're helping imaging centers go digital, and we have a patient app that kind of offers all of that. So a patient can find you know, query an inventory for any pharmacy and find where the medication they're looking for actually is in stock and be able to find out about pricing and maybe maybe even pay from their phone. They can do all this from their phone. Uh, they can make appointments with clinics. They can make appointments with labs and get their results back. So they can do all sorts of stuff on our platform. So that's what we built. So basically, we are helping everybody go digital. We are creating basically like the Amazon of healthcare, uh, essentially uh, on the continent. Well, that's a Pretty pretty big uh, plans you got there. I mean, Amazon is not exactly a small company. Well, they started small, so. <laughs> well, that's true. I think yeah. they started with, with books. Question is, so 
are you focused on the patient or are you focused on the pharmaceutical companies or the insurance companies or the physicians? Where's the, where's the focus? So our ultimate goal really is centered around the patient. But when you go to a new space like healthcare where you have so many different verticals that need to work together and they're all pretty much pen and paper, in order for the patients to have a digital access to them, you have to digitize um, those places as well. So while our, our ultimate goal is the patient, we needed to go and also build the ecosystem by digitizing all of them. So for now, our focus is also not just the patient. It's also helping the pharmacies, the imaging centers, the clinics also go digital. That way the patients actually have an easier way uh, of, of getting in touch with them and interacting with them in a digital uh, space. So yes, for now, we are doing all of that. But eventually, as our ecosystem um, and our, uh, we get the network and the ecosystem matures, our focus is going to be on patients, giving more access to cheaper uh, medicines, access to cheaper healthcare, access to all of that. So how do you deal with HIPAA? And I, I'm presuming you're familiar with HIPAA. How do you deal with HIPAA yeah. requirements and patients there? Yeah, so we have built our platform to be HIPAA compliant. Not only because it's a requirement, because a lot of African countries and even emerging markets don't have a well-defined rule the way we have with HIPAA. But for me, when I look at HIPAA, HIPAA is a matter of principle, right? You don't have to do it just because you're required to do it. You have to do it because it's a morally responsible thing to do. So if you're handling anybody's healthcare and you're expecting a patient to come and trust your platform, it's the only thing on you to make sure that whatever they put on there is very protected. So the laws don't have to exist for you to do it. It's just good business in addition to being a moral thing. It's just good business, right? Because a platform like ours, one of the most important currencies is trust. And once you break that trust, your company is going to fail. So we don't need law to do HIPAA. We actually go beyond that to make sure that patient information is protected. And, and, and what kind of systems do you have in place to protect that? I mean, every site, even, even Experian and the big, huge corporations, I, I yeah. hear about these data breaches. So, I mean, how, how do you protect that? I mean, obviously, we're not going to sit here and say that, you know, we are the most, how do I put this specifically? We're not, I'm not saying that we can never, ever be hacked, right? But we have put everything in place to make sure it's hacked, that it cannot be hacked, sorry. The idea is our data is AWS-based. We have put a lot of security data is encrypted on the way to and uh, at rest um, and in flight. Um, our data is, uh, is um, encrypted. Every organization that comes onto our platform signs the BAA agreement with us. The patients also, um, you know, we have put things in place like, you know, if someone logs into your account on a new device, you get an SMS message, for example, to alert you of it so that you can take action right away. We make sure you change your password from time to time. So we put a lot of things in place, uh, to say the least, to make sure that the information is protected. And where, where are you generating revenue from? Is it from the patient, from the pharmacy, from someone else? Um, it's from the providers. So pharmacies, labs, imaging centers, and, and hospitals and clinics. Hey, patients get to use the platform for free. Okay. So it's a free service. So any, anyone? Yes. Yeah, I mean, obviously, they have to pay for the medication. Um, if they buy the medication, you know, they have to pay for the medication. But we don't charge them to use the platform. Now, so for instance, that's a good example. On a, just on a drug example, right? 
Let's see, yeah. get the XYZ drug. XYZ is very popular, by the way. So I'm getting the XYZ <laughs> drug. Uh, does it, is it going to go out and find me the best price? Yes, so that's, that's one of the things we do is, you know, as we bring a pharmacies onto our platform and, and onto our inventory system, our system, the patient is able to really query um, those closest pharmacies to them, one, to find out if they have it in stock to start. Once they know that the place that is in stock and they'll have a whole list of places that have it in stock, they can tap on it and actually see the actual price, right? And so they can do price comparison and decide um, based on various factors how far it is from them, how many of the medications they're looking for, they have, um, the, you know, the pharmacy has. And based on that, make a decision which pharmacy uh, to request the medication to. So, yes, um, there is transparency in both in, in availability but also in price. How does that coordinate, though, with the insurance, right? So, for instance, obviously, you know, I have Anthem insurance. Now everybody knows uh, they can hack the system, get my cards. Anyway, so I have Anthem insurance, <laughs> and let's say, <laughs> and, you know, and, and, and now you know that I'm taking the uh, the crazy drug, you know. Uh, the um, So now everyone knows I'm insane. And, uh, you know, I'm using uh, uh, Tracy's Pharmacy, because Tracy's Pharmacy is a really big company. How do you coordinate all that? Because first, first I, I thought that the pharmacy, in order to determine price, needs to check your insurance to see what coverage you have, to see what the price will be based on that. Yeah. So when you say pharmacies, are, are they including the benefit that you have on your uh, on my crazy insurance from crazy bills? Yeah. So one of the things we've done, actually, um, on our platform is that we have price lists. So when the physical pharmacy comes on, they're able actually to upload all the prices, that price arrangements that they have uh, with insurance companies. So you, as a user, when um, if you put in your insurance information, it's actually pulled that price list for you, for you to be able to see that instead of seeing the regular price, for example. So that's one thing. So we have that feature. But the other thing also is that in the markets that we currently are, the insurance space, especially the private insurance space, is very nascent. As in, you know, you look at a place like Nigeria, for example, less than 2% of the population have any kind of insurance. And the majority of those are getting it through the employees. So there's a vast number of people who still, you know, do healthcare through out-of-pocket expenditure. And that's a big issue, right? Up to 70% of people actually do out-of-pocket for any kind of healthcare stuff. And this leads to about 1 in 10 Africans every year, for example, um, having a catastrophic healthcare spending, which kind of basically puts them into poverty. So this issue of price transparency and availability is quite important, especially from the patient's perspective, since a lot of them are really actually paying out of pocket. So the insurance issue hasn't become an issue, a big issue yet on the continent, but the growth of the insurance market on the continent of Africa is really, I think it's very, very important to see growth in that space because it's going to really help people avoid these kind of catastrophic spending um, going forward. So, for instance, I'm an American, and, you know, many Americans are buying drugs from Canada or from other places because mm-hmm. the drugs are cheaper. So uh, yeah. if you're from Nigeria or, or Ghana mm-hmm. or somewhere else, will it allow you to do that, or do you have to buy it only specifically in, in that specific country? Well, I mean, there are regulatory, you know, each country's regulations are different. So there are definitely some regulatory barriers. And also there's logistic barriers, right? I'm sure quite a, a number of Africans buy medication directly from Canada or somewhere without an issue. 
but the issue is the logistics side of it. So how do you actually ship it to them and all of that? From our end, one of the things we have been trying to do to actually eliminate this issue is that, you know, a study that was done by one of the pharmaceutical companies uh, indicated that by the time the medication leaves the manufacturer and gets to a typical, uh, you know, to a patient in Africa, the markup can be anywhere from 40% all the way to 700%. Just imagine that. Wow. Even almost 7x of that amount being so because there are so many issues around the logistical chain that each person that is participating in that chain has their own little profit margin to it. So one of the things we are trying to do is to shrink that space so that the markups are also reduced and that way it doesn't hit people's pockets as much so they don't need to go looking outside uh, with all the potential nightmares. Because remember, if you order from abroad, and you, you could be a fake medication. For example, 20% of all medicines in Africa, by the WHO says that about 20% of all medicines in Africa are fake. So if you're buying something from some other country, you have no idea if you're getting the right medication. So the proper way to do it is really reduce the markup so that the medications that are coming into the country that are vetted medication, that we make sure people actually get in good medication, not fake medication at an affordable price. So that's part of the work we're doing is shrinking the, the distance between the manufacturer and the patient so that you don't have so, many, so much markup and people can afford it. Tracy, you have some questions? Yes, thank you. So everything about this business is so interesting and timely, especially around a global pandemic. Uh, before the break, Peter was asking in terms of like how has this pandemic affected your business, your business model, the supply chain, and just the general perception around the healthcare industry as a whole. So it's quite interesting because I think we had we've had sort of the two sides of the effect, that's in the negative and the positive effects from from COVID. On the negative side, you know, when as with everybody else, we really didn't expect sort of this thing came came on so suddenly. And the kind of public health initiatives that many countries were taking was also quite sudden. Uh, for a while, you know, we had to shut down operations uh, on the continent because a lot of countries actually took a much stricter uh, restrictions than we even saw here in the United States. So we, we, in some countries, went as much as four months without really going out there to do anything from actually getting pharmacies onboarding and all those things. So that was the negative. Give us it, but you know. Since I opened now and we're back in the field and doing all of that. So that was set us um, back slightly. But, you know, something interesting happened because, you know, for a while, people were so used to being pen and paper and, and not digital, and they were kind of comfortable in that space. What the pandemic really showed is the need for digitization of the operation. So what we are finding now is that the conversation is quite different. If you approach a pharmacy or a hospital now to talk about going digital, it's not, they're not looking like, at you like you have two heads. It's more like, okay, let me see how this can help me because now we realize that we really have to change the way we're doing business. So now we're getting a little more inbound and a lot more referrals than we did before at the pandemic. So initial negative, now pretty good. So that's on the side of the business side. From a logistics point of view, obviously, everybody knows we are now, even here in the United States, we're feeling the effects of the logistics across industries. And certainly, you can find that in the medical field as well. You know, a, a lot of pharmacies are struggling to keep, um, you know, struggling to keep their shelves stocked. And also, they also lost a lot of medication, uh, a lot of revenue during the pandemic. So we are looking at ways to help them with that. So we've had conversations with financial service companies 
to help them actually restart some of the businesses. So we're looking at creative ways to help with that. Eventually, I think the supply chain issues will be resolved. But the way to actually, you know, dampen some of these effects, because we could have another pandemic going forward, is to actually sort out demand forecasting. Be able to actually track the inventory and do demand forecasting so that you're saying, okay, in the next six months, we expect this kind of demand for this kind of medication or this kind of medical equipment in this particular area, and then kind of have sort of the the advance notice to order the necessary kind of medication. And it's also good for suppliers because suppliers now can also use that kind of data to predict where the needs are going to be and to start planning out their own logistics to be able to deliver these things. Wow. So... You're basically saying that the pandemic was not necessarily a detriment, but was really an asset to the growth of your business. Yes. I mean, in the beginning, it, it set us back, but I think now everybody sees the need for some of these things, right? So the conversation is definitely different now. And how about in terms of going to the next level? So if you could talk a little bit about where you are right now in terms of how the business is operating, you, the amount of members you have on your team. And then in taking that to the next level, what are some of the hires that you would need to make to be able to scale your model? Okay, great. Uh, Thanks for that question. So our approach is in each country we build a team, right? So in Ghana, we have a team and we have a very, very smart and competent leader, country lead there. I was doing a lot of work. And as with any startup, are you... You, you know, you, everybody's doing everything. <laughs> um, but I think we have to <laughs> yeah. now um, that we need to start demarcating and hiring more people to help them. They've done an amazing job. The same with our leader in Nigeria. I've done an outstanding job as well. And I'm, I'm, I'm deeply indebted to them. But, you know, we they need help. And so our plan is going forward uh, to raise funds and obviously bring in more executives. We have proven the business model. We've proven people want our product. Um, now it's time for us to really go into the market and really, really, really go hard to get us to the, the level of scale that allows us now to do some of the other stuff. So, you know, because when you build in the marketplace, you have a you have its target, right? So you have its stage. For example, we have focused a lot on bringing clinics and pharmacies and imaging centers onto our platform. We haven't really done much aggressive patient um, recruitment. Uh, we've been onboarding patients passively through you know, the clinics we are signing. But at some point, we want to send our attention to the more the B2C model. And to be able to do that, we need to scale the provider side of things. And that, you know, sales cycle can be a bit challenging. And you need more people on the ground to be able to do that and board them, train people, do those kinds of things. So we do need to hire people and we need to organize our team around those people that we hire uh, so that we can be aggressive in the market and build the ecosystem. And where do you see the funding coming from that? Is that something that you're going to fund with the revenues that are generated within the business, or are you going to be seeking outside funding? Both. Um, so we have post-revenue, but we do need more money. As with any business, even if you're post-revenue, we are early post-revenue, you're still going to have you know, a time where you, are, you, know, you have to still move yourself to your break-even point before you start seeing profit. And to get to that, we need to hire people to push heavy in the market. So we are, gonna, we are in the process of actually fundraising, and we are also in an accelerator that is doing a great job in helping us organize all of that, uh, which is Expert Dojo uh, out in Santa Monica, and they've, they've been fantastic so far. And so, yeah, we do plan to, to raise um, and, and build the next unicorn on the country. 
I love that. <laughs> so when you're talking about the team side of scaling and then putting the, those people in place, that also leads to what I would imagine would be a pretty strategic marketing effort as well. What? How do you mm-hmm. see this business being marketed? And because especially if you're looking at, at getting more involved in the B2C side, where do your yeah. marketing efforts, where are they going to be allocated and how is that going to be achieved? So we are doing the, you know, obviously, you know, like I said, we're taking a target approach. So the marketing for the different constituents within our, our customer groups is going to be different, right? So for pharmacies, we use a lot of organizations and a lot of referrals uh, because a lot of pharmacists and pharmacy owners know each other in the markets that we operate in. Same with clinics. So we go to the organizations. We do some of the direct walk into the farm, uh, you know, the clinic and talk to them. But we do a lot of stuff through the organizations. Uh, we do news letters. For example, during the pandemic, when our people couldn't go out into the field, we organized seminars on Zoom on healthcare topics to get our name out there and for, you know, get people familiarized with who we are and what business we do and those kinds of things. So we do a lot of those kinds of things. Uh, we go to the conferences. We present at conferences. On the seaside, once we start to fully you know, pay attention to that, we've looked at many ways. Uh, we've looked at partnerships with telecom companies. Um, because, you know, telecom companies are drivers of a lot of things on the continent. We currently have a partnership that we've struck with a, a major uh, telecom company um, that we are working with. We do things through social media. Uh, believe it or not, WhatsApp actually believes that it's a good marketing medium in Africa, believe it or not. And we do a lot of, and we plan to do things like billboards and, and things like that. Uh, and of course, of course, also the hospitals, right? Uh, when people go to hospitals to have them say, hey, this hospital is on our platform, you can actually interact with them, you can do telemedicine with them, you can book in-person appointment with them in the future, you can make your payments on that platform. And then we have insurance companies we also speak into. So we are taking many avenues to reach the patient going forward. Tell us a little bit about more tell us a little bit more about the WhatsApp marketing because that's not something that comes up a lot on our show and I know our listeners yeah. would love to hear more about how that's working for you and maybe even some tips yeah. and the same tips if you will. <laughs> yeah, I mean we haven't done a lot of it, but I actually have other you know, I have friends in other other sectors who have used effectively use WhatsApp WhatsApp marketing. You know, there's a lot of forums on WhatsApp and people forget that. And a lot of businesses that actually do a lot of business on WhatsApp, as in people get paid on WhatsApp. And that's the case on the continent, right? Um, and I think WhatsApp actually has been building out business features uh, for that very reason. And it's, it's because, it, you know, you're basically entering a community of trust. So you have somebody, you have a forum of 4,000 people, and you have somebody who's actually active on there that people know about, saying this is my experience with this product. Because they know that person and trust that person, it's almost like they influence the thing. But in a very not filter, <laughs> without the filter, <laughs> if you will, <laughs> uh, without the Instagram filters. You know, it's, it's actually more authentic, I think, um, because often those are people that they've been communicating with each other for a long time. And so that's one avenue. I'm not saying it's the only avenue, but it's actually fairly effective avenue, I think, for a lot of people who have used this, and we intend to use that as part of our, our potpourri of uh, marketing channels uh, and things like that. Interesting. Yeah, that's um, that's a platform that doesn't get mentioned a lot, so that's a really good yeah. tip. Are there any other marketing things that you're doing that you feel like are innovative outside of the WhatsApp? Well, our, you know, one of the things we've done also is to break down 
our product into little pieces, right, and allow people to kind of flow work it. So if you are a clinic who's like, I'm not sure we're going to go fully digital, we say, well, can you start to use in our appointment system, right, to start? And then we upsell them and say, okay, now that you like the appointment system, how about this? Other stuff we could help you with your operations. So that's also another avenue we'll be using is, is that more of a technical way, but not to tell people that they have to ingest the entire platform right away, but to do it piece by piece, which is quite interesting because on the continent, you know, when you look at how people pay for their phone, uh, it's not a monthly like here. It's actually you buy data or you buy, you know, data for a certain period of time. And when you run out, you run out and you just buy another one. So people are used to get that kind of pay-as-you-go kind of model anyway. So we try to leverage some of the existing way that people are used to paying for stuff in marketing our stuff as well. So who would you consider your competition in the space? So we have, you know, because we have a, a very wide horizontal platform, we have quite a few competition in the different verticals. So we have companies doing EMR that are competition. There are companies doing inventory and supply chain for pharmacies that are competition. And, and those will be probably the two main ones that we see on the continent. And they vary depending on the country we are in. But they're all great companies. So Africa has 1.2 million people. We are basically not even the first in and when it comes to the digitization of healthcare on the continent. So I see it as um, them all as potential collaborators, but the work ahead of us is enormous. So while on paper they may like competition, actually we think they're collaborators because we have 1.2 billion people on the continent that we need to figure out a way to get better healthcare too. And and for me, the way I see it, you know, with the other companies who are hit there, they are potential collaborators because the work ahead of us is massive. Uh, and the space for multiple unicorns to be built on the continent around healthcare because the problems are that enormous. They're that big and the opportunity is that big as well. Right, definitely. Well, and I love what you were saying too about tearing people into your program and starting with the appointments and then moving them into that. That's a really great growth strategy. So transitioning from being a neurosurgeon to an entrepreneur, what would you say is maybe uh, the biggest challenge that you faced and the biggest reward that you faced in doing that? Okay, well, I'm still a neurosurgeon. Sorry, I still practice um, neurosurgery. Um, but entrepreneurship is just a whole different ballgame, right? It's hard. Entrepreneurship is hard. <laughs> but it's doable if you really um, are passionate about this thing, you know. Uh, my mother suffered a stroke a few years ago. It's really the genesis of why I started this company. So there, there's, it's, for me, it's a deep thing for why I'm doing this. And, and if you really believe in what you're doing, you make it happen. So it is hard. There are challenges every day. You are going to have some wins and you're going to have some, some failures. Uh, and I've, recently I've had some of our challenges and, and things that we didn't do so well in the beginning. But then you learn. You learn and you innovate and, and you change and, and, and then, you know, you get traction, and then people start believing in what you're doing. So we are happy with the process, and, and I'm certainly not the same person I was uh, when I started because I know a lot about, about tech now than I ever did. I know a lot about how do you put a team together. I mean, putting the team together in healthcare is a bit different from putting the team together to run a tech company. And so I've had to learn that, and I, and I built a lot of relationships uh, in the process. So it is tough, but it's doable, uh, especially if you're mission-driven in what you're trying to do. 
That's course, so you want to make, you wanna make money for your for your shareholders as well. <laughs> so. Yes, yeah, and maybe have a little less for yourself one day. <laughs> yeah. So how can people get in touch with you if they want to be involved with Calmness Health, if they want to sign up, if they want to get in touch with you personally? What's the best way to uh, continue this conversation with you? Yeah, so it's Mori, M-U-R-I, at TalamusHealth.com. Um, T-A-L-A-M-U-S, health, H-E-A-L-T-H.com. Mori is M-U-R-I. So Mori at TalamusHealth.com. Or you can reach us at people at TalamusHealth.com. Thank you very much. You're listening to KHS Cold 20, 98.1 FM. That's a wrap. See you guys next week. Bye. All right. Thank, Thank you. you. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Thank you for tuning in to the Ask Brian Radio Show. You can listen to us every Thursday on KTHS AM 1220 and FM 98.1 or via Facebook Live or anytime wherever you listen to your podcasts. Visit askbrian.com to join the conversation and ask us your business questions and we'll answer them on our next episode. That's askbrien.com.